welcome to the Common Briefing Program, a part of the Common Geeking Program podcast, where each month we take a look at uh, the hottest headlines from geek news uh, the world over. And I say the world over, but we're all in the United States, so that's kind of the focus most of the times, or at least the lens through which we view it. Um, I'm Colin Ketchin. I tend to host these geeky affairs. And uh, I'm going to lead a recap of what we think are the most important or interesting headlines in geek news from December of 2020. One, 20, 2021, what, 20, my 20. bud. That is <laughs> we're, we're doing an episode yep. from over a year ago. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I, actually, I, I, I know 2020 and 21, 21 they, they, blur they together. Blur but together, like... yeah. Well, what happened was I went to pull up the keyword because, like, in our yeah. chat, I always leave little headlines. And I, t- I searched for December. Apparently, in December 2020, I typed December 2020 as the header. Yeah. Uh, and in December 2021, 20, I decided to abbreviate, and I just typed the word December. So, yeah, it's going to be a uh, problem next year. <laughs> yeah, just over. Yeah, it's going to be really confusing. So just over a year ago, I, I set myself up to fail because of my own short attention span. But again, my name is Colin. I'll be leading this conversation, uh, joined by uh, my steadfast friends who can introduce themselves, because clearly I'm not doing so great. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Taimul, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. Uh, yeah, you know, I- I'm a little sad because I finished my Fruity Pebble Kit Kats, and those are good. <laughs> you should be I thought you were going to say sad about anything but that. That is, <laughs> yeah, that, that really was... did surprise me. Uh, yeah, listen, yeah. listen, man, if you had some of these fruity pebble Kit Kats, you'd be it pretty. Sounds good. Yeah, exact about mean, them too. I don't. There's really a lot of whack ass shit that. that they put in Kit Kats nowadays. So fruity pebble True. seems like probably a a good it's one. Tame on yeah. the spectrum of Kit to Cat. Like, like it straight up tastes like fruity cereals, like Fruit Loops or fruity pebbles. Like they're called fruity cereals. I mean, hey, yeah. they yeah they got it in one. Good. Yeah. Says it. They're right on the label. Perfect. Uh, who else is talking? I already introduced myself. Chowder just did you? Spoke I did right the I fuck did. over me. Yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, Jeff. I didn't even hear Chowder talk over you. I just straight up couldn't hear you. So maybe somebody in the internet decided Chowder was first today. Uh, yeah, so if I guess you wouldn't so. mind, wouldn't mind yeah, saying uh, it again because I'm sure not thing. doubling back in the edit for that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Levitt and, uh, I, my, my sort of recent thing that I've been doing is, uh, I've been going back and trying to collect, uh, all of the, uh, all of the like 1500, uh, spirits in Smash Ultimate. And that's what I've been doing for the past <laughs> few weeks. I have all but one of them. <laughs> that's a... Uh... 1500 that sounds like a goddamn grind yeah i mean some a lot of them you just kind of get when you're doing the story mode so i don't know like a few weeks ago how many i had starting off versus you know how many i you know the only one that i don't have is like they do special events or whatever occasionally like there was Mm -hmm. a metroid dread event that i missed or apparently i didn't miss it because i have two of them that are from that but the third one i don't have so i just kind of have to wait till they eventually recycle that event uh and that's the only one i don't have and that's rough you are you're really speaking to my experience as a destiny player because the the holiday event is ending later today and i've fully neglected it for reasons i'll explain in a bit but i was texting (laughs) our friend laura and she was like, I'm just going to play Ori today. I'm like, cool. I think I might play Destiny because I haven't baked all the cookies and Space Grandma is about to take away my easy bake oven. Um, <laughs> and that's just kind of that's just kind of the energy that video games have been giving me lately. So, um, 
Yeah, that might just... not sound like I'm relating to you, but I promise it is. No, it's just really frustrating when I was like looking through the lists and seeing how to get yep. them all, and I found out like there are several yeah. that are like from events like that. But I guess just happenstantially, I happened to get all but one of them. Even yeah. like there are three from this Metroid Dread event, and I have two of them, even though I have no memory of you know doing spirit battles mm-hmm. in Smash around the time that Metroid Dread came out. So I yeah. got samus from metroid dread and i got the me but there's still a chozo warrior that is eluding me yeah the only reason i want to get all the cookies is because i in like five weeks i don't want austin to come at me and say like hey colin why didn't you get this one cookie related gun and i'm just like i don't know man i was tired (laughs) how dare you i'll bake my cookies cookies for guns i'll do that later today um i guess i guess we can kind of take it right in uh to the news unless you guys are feeling particularly strongly about something i usually do a vibe check but hey spoiler alert i had a very busy weekend and i'm tired so i don't want to bring the i don't want to bring the mood down with a vibe check on my end fair enough (laughs) i guess we're going in all right cool Uh, going into December news, I'm only going to talk about a handful of things, uh, and they're all uh, very squarely in my wheelhouse. Uh, the first thing I want to discuss is Halo Infinite, because last time we talked about Halo Infinite is a lot of lot of crazy stuff. They had just given us the surprise release of Halo Infinite's multiplayer component, and there were a lot of problems with the progression. Those issues have, by and large, been addressed. We got more playlists. We got challenges that better reflect how you play the game that reward you more frequently making it easier to level up and make it not feel like quite as much of a grind and i've been having a very good time with it so uh it's not all fixed yet they have some other things that they have to work on but i at that point we're getting into the minutiae like I think the only thing that was interesting to everybody was the fact that they surprised us with a game that had a really bad part to it, and now that bad part is not as bad. So it's like, you know, pretty good. Cool. But that's not really what I want to talk about. Multiplayer Must have been a publicity stunt, am I right? I mean, yes, top to bottom. Uh, And (laughs) now we have uh, passed the official launch date of Halo Infinite, uh, which released the story-driven campaign which is, uh, it does a lot of things. It's characterized as a sequel to 2015's Halo 5 Guardians, whose campaign was not well-received for very good reasons, and also as uh, a spiritual reboot of Halo 1, and also as kind of a new starting point for new players, and also as a reinvention of the core formula of Halo. So it's a big, complicated story mode for a video game that can best be summed up by, yeah, no, this is, this feels like if Halo was made today. This doesn't feel like someone making a sequel to Halo. It feels like someone looked at the original Halo Combat Evolved from 2001 and was like, okay, but how would we make that in 2021? That is all vague and confusing. But essentially what has, what has uh, been released to us is a quasi open world Halo game which sounds maybe a little boring because Halo is frequently just running and gunning through very tightly designed hallways or very curated open areas, you know, navigating openly between objectives. But they found a way to increase the size of both of those, and it turns out you only needed one magic thing to improve Halo's gameplay to the point where it can sustain the sort of open, free navigation. And that thing is a grappling hook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. This game is so goddamn fun. 
because what always kind of made Halo fun was even though you were in these tight hallways or these closely designed levels, it wasn't like your Pokemons where, you know, ev everything is sort of on rails to an extent. Like, you can experience things and customize your experience in different ways by changing what you bring to the table, but walking around, the most exciting thing that's going to happen is you end up in a Pokemon battle. Yeah. This is more like Zelda where, like, elements in the world can interact in ways that you do not expect. And Halo has always had a lot of... It's like how Zelda realized, I know how to improve the Legend of Zelda. Give them a paraglider. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's, it, it is... It, uh, Halo Infinite very much evokes the ethos of Breath of the Wild in some ways. I don't want to say, this is the Breath of the Wild of Halo, because Breath of the Wild <laughs> revolutionized games. Com Halo Combat Evolved also revolutionized games. I think that's reductionist to say. But the idea of saying these games have gotten maybe a little too focused on things that maybe didn't make the franchise special. What if we just open it back up, go back to the original idea, and expand on it, extrapolate it, and give you a big playground? So you're running around with a grappling hook, and you can use that grappling hook to pull bombs closer to you, switch weapons, latch onto an enemy, scale an actual fucking mountain. Uh, if an airplane is flying by you, you can grapple onto the airplane and steal it and fly away. And it turns <laughs> an open-world game, which you might think would be something like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed, which is like cool, I have this huge map, and I have to go check off every single box on the map in order to complete the game. And that's just sort of a time-padded-out grind of just completing a checklist. The freedom of Halo and that Breath of the Wild ethos, that Halo Combat Evolved ethos, turns that into a gigantic sandbox that is crazy fun to fuck around in. Um, and that is the breath of fresh air that I think these these games needed on top of that the art direction has changed very much since 343 took over uh and this feels like a course correction where they lean very much into the tron like hard sci-fi smooth metal shiny neon lines for a couple of games and now they've reverted to sort of like the big obelisk mysterious moody pacific northwest forest with sun peeking through the trees aesthetic that even though it's not the most graphically impressive game i've played recently it I, I said the word moody, and I'll say it again. It feels like you're grounded in a place that is fun to explore. When you're in underground caves and tunnels, it's just like oozing attitude and, and, and full of sort of mystique in a way that the original Halos were. So that's the return to form. I think it struggles in a few places. While there's a lot of really good character stuff in the story, uh, I don't think it makes it, it does a good job of... of Ex explaining the world uh, compared to previous Halo games, uh, which were just basically, you know, the original Halo trilogy was kind of like action movies that you could play. You have a silent protagonist. It's like, hey, Chief, what if it's a trap? It is. Oh, God, Chief, what are we going to do? <laughs> Finish the fight. Like, that's the level of dialogue that you're getting most <laughs> of the time. It does dovetail into some really nice character stuff, but um, I, I, I'm being a little meandering because the game itself is meandering, and... At the end of the day, it's a little messy, but it is just straight up fun to run around this game and shoot stuff. Um, it has presented me with characters that I am interested in for the first time in nearly a decade in this franchise. So all in all, pretty resounding success. And considering this was six years in development hell and a ton of like top people left during development and their showcase last year was really poorly received. This game is now in the top five of, like, pretty much every major game of the year list 
out there, which really surprised the hell out of me. So it's good. Halo Infinite is really good. It's worth playing. If you have Game Pass, it is included. And if you're looking for a fun single-player game, uh, it's a good one. It's a good shooter. A lot of fun. Feels great. There's another bit of Halo news. Uh, yeah. Just after the campaign released, they— well, Hold on. Uh, let me just yes. go on a tangentially related topic. Yes. I, I always hate the uh, trope or cliche of, like, the heroes know they're going into a trap. Yeah. But then they go into the trap <laughs> They go in anyways. anyways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like in yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy thirteen, a game, an awful game that— like I would consider the worst story mankind has ever told. Uh, oh, impressive! But like there, there is a part, there is a part where uh, the hero, the you know, like the evil empire dudes are like, like making a broadcast, and uh, uh, the heroes are like, they're clearly making this broadcast to like lure us into a trap. And then one guy's like, well, there's only one thing we can do walk into the trap like heroes and everyone else agrees and i fucking hate it because yeah because it's always just like if you know it's a trap work around it it you can plan yeah it it works a bit better in halo because it's it is literally just a giant tank man who is known for doing crazy shit uh, that is just like yep this is dangerous but i'm smart and cool enough to do it and the game rewards you because if you walk into something that the game tells you is a trap, it's probably like a boss fight or a difficult yeah. encounter. And you, the player, <laughs> need to be smart enough to figure that shit out. Because if you're not, you're going to die. So, like, I think if you try to, like, make a complex uh, multi-threaded story and you use that line of dialogue, it doesn't work as well as just B-movie action where you are big tank man, go punch things. I think it works a lot better <laughs> in that context because you're just like, yep. I'm a big dumb tank, man. Let me go punch things. Um, but let me tell you, every time he said he walked into a trap, I was like, this is not going to be a trap. And then I died a lot. So, you know, he was right. I should have listened. Other <laughs> Halo news. Yeah. Uh, Halo TV show. Finally got a trailer. Um, it is I'm called excited about this. This looks fun. Halo. Yeah. Uh, I did not love the trailer, but those oh. are uh, but mostly art direction stuff that doesn't give me a lot of hope. But, oh, really? Uh, I thought it looked pretty good. You don't think so? I thought it looked pretty good, but here's the context. Master Chief is an 800-pound man, and his uh, his the weight of his costume definitely looked wait, like... Wait, hold on a second. Is Master Chief himself 800 pounds? Or with the suit. With the, arm, with with the, the suit. suit. Okay. With, the, like, with, with like, yeah, with like the two inches of fucking steel or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're yeah. saying it, did, it didn't sell the weight? I, I think that there are a lot of things in the aesthetic of this trailer that didn't sell the weight, the movement, the wear and tear of the stuff. Like, it, everything in this trailer looks exceptionally well produced, but it doesn't really look lived in. So what I feel mm. like we're going to get, and this is just my fear. This is not based on anything. This is purely impressions. Uh, I feel like we're going to get a show that is, like, technically excellent on a ton of levels, but is lacking a sense of artistry. Mm. Uh, yeah, I because, see that. And it, and that I, I think I'm pulling that from my experience with the games, where uh, as much as I enjoy Halo 4 and Halo 5, they do lack some, like I said, that moodiness that the original Halos sort of had, where even if the game wasn't the prettiest thing out there, you're like, I feel like I'm in a place. I feel like I'm in the middle of something interesting. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I did not get a sense that the show is maybe looking at that level of artistry so much as it is 
excellent execution. Yeah, but the that's news, fair. Uh, the news about the show that is interesting to me is a lot of people, we saw some things in the trailers that harken back to Halo 2, a slightly different design on his armor, and we're like, when does this take place? How does this relate to, you know, the eight story games or the, uh, like, the fucking 20, 30 story books, you know? Uh, Kiki Wolfkill, one of the executive producers at 343 Industries, the studio that develops Halo now and is working with uh, Paramount Plus on the show, has said that this timeline is separate from the games and books. They are calling it the Halo Silver timeline mm. so that the show is not beholden to right. uh, previously yeah, so established canon. It's an adaptation, yeah? Essentially, yeah. It's an adaptation. Um, I That's think people not within the canon it. of the game. That's fair. Correct. So I think a lot of people were expecting it. I myself was expecting it to like be canon with the games in a shared universe. Right. That is not going to be the case. Well, to be honest, that actually I do like that decision yeah. just because I the mean, games it, it worked for our it worked for Arcane and League of Legends. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arcane and, is and, fucking so, amazing, and League of Legends is League of Legends. I don't because yeah. <laughs> doesn't that mean that like you know like if it were in the same canon as the game, doesn't that mean that it couldn't really take place during any, like, events that you actually play? Whereas now they could be like, you know, you could just actually, you know, like, do retellings of of the things that you actually do during the game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we were expecting an adaptation of an existing game, but it is more an adaptation Fair. of the Halo universe. Right. Um and I think that's fine. I just it's I just don't know what to expect as far as the story. Uh, I I yeah. like being surprised by things and I'm generally open to changes in franchises I like. So, I'm pretty I'm pretty down with this. Uh, that actually excites me more than the trailer itself did. Does yeah. not because I think it's inherently good, but because uh, I like the world of Halo. It's cheesy, but it's I think it's interesting. It does some really cool sci-fi stuff other franchises don't do. And if the show is a new place for them to do that, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm really um, interested to see like with video game adaptations. It's always like pretty bad pretty unless it's like yeah. just mediocre. Or I mean, I guess it's kind of there's there really is the full range, but it always feels like just extreme been, ends of the spectrum you know what I mean? yeah I mean, people have been I mean, getting better at it mostly it's either mediocre or just very very bad, bad like just yeah comically bad well i mean again weirdly enough sonic the hedgehog is one of the things that has sort of turned the opinion I, on this I a little bit i would classify yeah. sonic the hedgehog as mediocre i mean yeah i yeah i mean terrible, well do you mean but no yeah it's bad, it's but. fine it was a fine, was a fine here, movie but it's not really like i share your opinions of on the this. story of sonic at all right like, no it, it's it's <laughs> super different it is but it is an adaptation of the character in the same way that yeah. i think the halo tv show will be sure, an adaptation of like th- i think here's that's another the thing that's the thing for me that brings it down to mediocrity is that it's not really an adaptation of the source material it's just an adaptation of the character and then you know like there, like obviously there's elements. I mean, but... it's it's on the same level as that He-Man movie. Mm, yeah, I feel that the one with Dolph Lundgren. If well, I, I think I uh, Jeff, I'd straight up. I think I would straight up disagree with you. I think that if you're judging it by its accuracy to the source material, that's one thing. But like. I think the problem with video game adaptations hasn't necessarily been whether or not they accurately adapt the story, but whether or not the products are good. Like, the the fucking 2016 Assassin's Creed movie is a really strong adaptation of the material, but it's not a fun movie at all. And I think that that exists. I keep I I really think that the problems are the problems are kind of twofold with that con where Mm -hmm. it's just like. I think that, you know, a lot of movies that are very bad video game adaptations also, like, mm-hmm. 
part of their core problem is that they're just not adapting the thing actually like the I'm, the what's springing to mind is the super mario brothers movie with like you know <laughs> yeah all the fucking poopas with like the tiny head people walking yeah. around and obviously some of that is limited because it's like oh live action yeah. like they couldn't they couldn't do a bunch of fucking cg animals and shit like that right but yep. like the core problem with that movie why it was always destined to fail like it's a bad movie regardless but is like it's just not an adaptation of mario yeah it just it, I, it just uses some characters in some weird ways i think the only the only one that i've been like really stunned with so far as a video game adaptation is detective pikachu i really like mm-hmm. that movie and yeah, uh, you I know i really like detective pikachu too yeah yeah, yeah. and um, at least i, I mean just... it is an adaptation of detective pikachu so which is a yeah. which is a game so that's fair i think in terms well of i think adapting from video games is uniquely challenging because yeah. like again going back to the b-movie style of master chief's dialogue throughout the games like the original halo trilogy the point of him was to be like a brain dead character not like a uh-huh. stupid person but like a character that didn't get in the way of you yeah. stepping into the role of Master Chief. Right. Like they didn't want him to the... say anything that would bump you out of it. So yeah. the thing that makes Halo's stories sing is the way you experience it, and you can't just adapt that into a movie. Uh, yeah. So I, I think the reason that you sometimes see these video game adaptations depart so wildly is because, like, you can't adapt certain things from a game, and that's why I'm, like, glad to see a different timeline with this. Even if it ends up being terrible, I'm curious to see, like, what else can they add to this story in this context? Because if you just straight rip Halo 1 into a movie, Mm -hmm. it would probably not be very intriguing yeah <laughs> and the fact that they're doing a tv show yeah is like you have to stretch that out even further so i don't know i i tend not to worry about like is it an accurate adaptation if they claim to be trying to do an accurate adaptation and they fail that's one thing but if they're just trying to say we're giving you halo on your tv i'll, I'll see what they got in store again sonic yeah not a one-to-one adaptation but like hey that felt like the character i know from the games it felt like a take on it just yeah i mean but also sonic's lore is so fucking inscrutable that right yeah but there's some people that i'm some people i'm sure that would really like to see an adaptation of that inscrutable lore you know what i mean oh oh yes yeah (laughs) but that's also why those aren't the people making the movies yeah um anyway uh little little bit of sonic news because i want to i've gone a little more than i wanted so little sonic news we got a trailer for sonic frontiers arriving holiday of 2022 uh this game game is going to feature um quote open zone design so it feels like it's going to be like halo where they never characterize it as open world because you've still (laughs) got these linear sections but it's like it's a big halo playground it is and it isn't an open world game and so now everybody's like to repeat the refrain i said at the beginning is this gonna be sonic's breath of the wild (laughs) yeah like a few years ago we had like a bunch Ugh. of games like taking uh, elements from uh, Dark Souls, and, and now uh-huh. now now it's a bunch of games taking elements from uh, Breath, Breath of the, of the Wild. wild you know? yeah. yeah, which is like I know, it's I'm, a good I'm sure thing we'll be talking learn. about that uh, talking about that next month after someone's got their hands on uh, Legends Arceus, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, listen, people need to learn good lessons from games like Breath of the Wild. It is a yeah. special game that did very good things for the industry. But again, it's pretty reductive to say, is this Sonic's Breath of the Wild? Because yeah. there is a Sonic game that is just like 
like level open level design and there's not really a single path to go in and it's called sonic cd and it's a very novel and interesting game okay but it, sonic cd is too two-dimensional it's a, it it's is a it is two-dimensional it is but i've played the hell out of it and let me tell you taking sonic which is all about going fast in a straight line and making it open is not an intuitive experience no matter how many dimensions you try to put it in um so I'm very curious to see what this game actually is, because all we saw was like some landscapes and a couple clips. But we really don't know much about it, just that it's going to have sort bigger, of, more open zones, more to come in the future. It sort of reminds me like when, uh, you know, you know, like the style of restaurant where you like, you know, you go up to the counter and you build it as you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and people would and people would always describe places like that to me as like, oh, it's like Chipotle. But this and I'm like. Chipotle did not coin that concept. Like no, Subway I mean, existed. I, if like, anything, I attribute places. it to Subway. Yeah, yeah. right. Like just sandwich places Imagine. in general. But it was like I <laughs> had someone a while ago describing like Blaze to me as like Chipotle but with pizza, and I'm like, but Chipotle. That, no, that's is... actually that's actually fantastic because like <laughs> yeah, like Chowder said, had da- the way that people ape Dark Souls. So, yeah. Like there's now an entire subgenre called right. Souls like. What if we called all restaurants Subway likes? You know? <laughs> Subway likes. Oh, this, yeah. That, oh yeah, there's a great new Subway like burrito place downtown. It's, just, it's called Chipotle. It's just really funny to me because it's like, oh, it's like all these things taking things from Breath of the Wild. I'm like. Breath of Wild, yeah. Breath of the Wild. You mean an open world game? There's already yeah. a term Breath for of, it. Yes, <laughs> Breath of the Wild is just a very, very excellent execution yeah. of certain right. certain video game design uh, and, mentalities. And, and granted, Breath of the Wild, what made it so phenomenal, really was like uh, like a sort like a craftsmanship and like uh, it's design, the artistry and like yeah. and like a close attention to design that like previous open world yeah. games haven't. Like you compare like Breath of the Wild to say GTA four or five, and right? Yeah, like, they they are very different. They yeah, like in, in GTA five, you can do pretty much anything you'd want to do in a city, but that's not really like the fun of the game it's kind of cool to say oh cool i can go get a haircut and drunk and it's like yep you can why (laughs) right (laughs) why would you do that but i think halo is what has made halo infinite so strong is like that sense of oh this could have been a bloated far cry style game with a million things to do but really it's just like you have the freedom to do the things you would want to do in halo and zelda did the same thing we'll see if sonic does the same thing sonic not a great track record. No idea how that's going to yeah. shake out. I mean, so. what, what's what's promising is that, like, you know, you, you hear stuff from, like, devs and people from Sega, and they're like, yeah, in the past, we've always, like, kind of rushed out Sonic games, and that has led to uh, varying go yep. levels of quality. Very yep. <laughs> varying levels of quality. And we decided, you know what? Maybe maybe we should give the, time, give the game the time to breathe and let us... Their their worst failures are all things that they rushed out. So I'm hoping that artistry shines through. Um, I had one last thing I wanted to talk about, but we have actually started discussing this a lot more. So uh, there was an article in IGN called The Battle for Bungie's Soul Inside the Studio's Struggle for a Better Work Culture. It was another expose about uh, working conditions at the studio that makes Destiny. So you better believe my head turned when I saw that because I pay a lot of attention to Bungie. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details for sake of time. Chowder, I know you usually cover these things, so maybe it'll become related. But essentially, the takeaway is there were some really shitty people at Bungie that have slowly been getting weeded out over the years. 
Um, and that even though a lot of people are coming out and saying, uh, out of the 26 people interviewed, pretty much the sentiment is there were some really shitty people and I was treated like total garbage, but the studio is actively trying to make things better. Like it's the first time I've read one of these where like, even the people being interviewed were like, there's, there's light at the end of this tunnel. And, uh, every single employee that has a Twitter account has come out and like said, IGN, thank you for publishing this article. Uh, we needed you to give these guys a platform because that will allow us to make more change inside the studio. It is just not the usual, oh, we're going to investigate and hire a third party and then never comment on it again. It's been Beca a, uh, like, like, an actually you know, different guy response. Going, we're trying to find out who's responsible exactly, for this. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it, it, is, it, it has been the CEO and the public-facing people in the company saying, uh, yeah, this is our fault. And here's what we're doing. And it's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to brush under the rug the experiences people are having. It's worth reading the article if you're interested, but like, it is very refreshing to see someone say like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, let's fix it. Yeah. And I'm, just I'm like, always wait, skeptical wait, though wait, people to, be, can do to that? like, see how much of that is just like P good Blow PR versus, I, you know, well, like, like are they Again, saying this now just I'm not because taking, it's coming out versus, you know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm not taking the time to dive into it, but yeah. I pay a lot of close attention to Bungie. The things that they're saying that they're doing are things that they have already announced in the past, specific initiatives. Gotcha. Um, it's, it is worth reading the IGN article because it is very comprehensive if you're curious. This one has a different tone to it. And I was fully prepared to be like, ah, fuck, now I gotta, I gotta pay attention to the bad stuff at Destiny. And it's, what's really <laughs> funny about it is like when they're describing the low points and like these narrative heads fucking everyone over, those are the points where the game was the worst to play. Like for me as a player, I can track the quality of the game with the quality these people are explaining on the inside. It, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, almost very, like it, if. If you're having a miserable experience while making the game, it's going to translate to yep. a miserable experience with the game itself. <laughs> yeah, yep, but um, it's, it is it, it is heartbreaking to see a studio that I care about so much go through that uh, and the people there experience it. Um, but it is, I think, all the other people we're talking about, your Activisions, your Ubisofts, your Riots and everything, fucking take notes, guys. There's a way to handle this, and you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. This is closer than you guys have ever gotten. I'm done. Somebody else, take it away. All right. Uh, so I guess I never really thought about an order in which I would do this, but I guess I'll just jump off what you were saying about uh, uh, shitty development environments. Uh, mm -hmm. This <laughs> article that came out today as of recording, uh, January 3rd, uh, uh, from Bloomberg, the, new, the next video game from Bioshock's creator is in development hell. And basically it's an uh, article about like, uh, Ken Levine, creator of yeah. System Shock Shoot. Sh uh, System. Ooh, Shock I haven't heard 2, about this. Okay, Bioshock yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Uh, yep. Basically, uh, several devs, both currently working and formerly having worked for Ken Levine's studios, uh, mm -hmm. both uh, both its current it, one, Ghost Story, and his mm -hmm. previous Irrational, one, uh, talking about like. Yeah. Uh, how he is just a really shitty person to work with. He is cool, cool, abusive. Cool. He is. Uh, he does. He does not communicate well. He is a manager who does a shit job organizing uh, his game that he has been working on since Bioshock Infinite for eight years has yeah. made 
practically no progress because he is just doing a shit job and like he only has a job because of his status as an auteur developer mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and uh yeah i mean i think it's a cautionary tale of like video games are for the most part usually a yeah. collaborative of medium and you should not put and you should not like just raise one person up above yeah. everyone and make make him beyond reproach. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me about Ken Ken Levine just because uh, he was like sort of given this rock star status after the runaway success of the BioShock games and he has dropped off the fucking map and he's had other projects fall through and like again that Bungie article I just read is like there are people in here who were treated as rock stars because they were around since the Halo days and those are the people that were the fucking problem because nobody would keep them in their place or keep them in check or you know, everyone walk on eggshells around them and then fuck everybody else who isn't them. So it's just like, that sucks because I really want to see what's next from him. But I'm just not surprised. I'm just really mm-hmm. not because he's always he's always spouting ideas about like these big concepts that he wants to execute. And it's like, cool. You know what happened at Halo when they mismanaged anything? They had to bring in the guy who made the original Halo games who isn't a dickhole. Uh, <laughs> and then finally the game got on track. You can't just have ideas. You need to know how to lead a team and be a human yeah yeah like you can't just like pl- play a game while in the middle of development and be like guys stop everything we're gonna mm-hmm. do this now and it's like that's no. how you get anthem that's how you get anthem yeah <laughs> or that's uh. how you get final fantasy 14 like a big part of like what went wrong with the development of wait 14 or 15? One of them. The bad one. Thir- I think thir- one, one 13 the bad is the, one. 13's the bad one. 14 is the MMO. I know it started rough, but. Oh, oh well, okay, okay, bad. okay. I, I know what I'm talking about now. 13's the really bad one. 14's the MMO. 15's the other bad one that uh, was just an incomplete game. Uh, 15. Mm. Uh, the development for 15 uh, went like horrible, and po- contributing factor was, you know, like. Uh, some of the leads like changing their mind about stuff midway through and it's like Mm -hmm. i mean you see that shit all the time with movies too like yeah when everything is too you know like reactionary and like whoever Mm -hmm. some of the people leading it like execs or whatever just have to like meddle or change their mind halfway through and it's just like it never ends up with a project that feels like a complete thing you know yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at least we know when the executive step back, we get masterpieces like The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, fun times. Anyways. You just, you just fucking thing. think by now that, like, executives, like, I, if they're really so big on, like, taking in all the information about, like, how things are received, you'd think that one of those pieces of information that they take in by now is that executive meddling always fucks things over. Like, it's just so consistent. Yeah, 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 yeah. But sometimes, but, like, sometimes, and, like, this is the case with, like, Ken Levine and his stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not a case of executives meddling in. This is a case of a... Of where executive meddling could have helped. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is a case where, like, a creative, like, has a runaway ego and is yeah just uh uncontrolled and it is leading to problems yeah that's the uh, other star wars problem the uh the prequel yeah. problem right? yeah <laughs> yeah you <laughs> the two sides of the coin the sequel trilogy where exec too much executive meddling and the prequel trilogy where Which there is, is too much too George much Lucas George control Lucas. <laughs> yeah 
And then and the originals, which are just right before anyone took him just seriously enough. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, uh, next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Call of Duty Warzone and the uh, hey. ma- the mass uh, firings at Raven Software. Uh, oh, so yeah. like, so like the it's annoying because one Raven Software has been in the industry for a long time, and two. Th- Activision was doing well. The stuff Ravensoft was working on was hugely successful. Call of Duty Warzone was yep. making crap tons of money. The reason for the firings was so Activision uh, uh, could be like, look at how much growth there is, you know, because we're making so much money and we're not paying as many employees. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's infuriating because like... It, it, there's no winning. Like you succeed, yeah. you get fired, you fail, you get fired, and like, uh, was this the instance where a lot of it, it was the QA team, the quality assurance it was, team? Yeah, yeah, it was the QA team. Yeah, they were given new positions that required relocation. They oh did the God. relocation, and then they got fired. Am I messing that up? Because that. Saying that it out loud, I'm like, story. that seems like cartoonishly evil. Is that what we're talking about? That is what we are talking about, yes. Jesus or or like, like, like you have that, and you also just have them going, okay, get the fuck out. We don't want you here anymore. Uh, and, and it's, again, <laughs> inverting, because one, QA testers, quality assurance. They make sure the game actually works. <laughs> it isn't a, a, do- a dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, and two... You, like you know they're gonna be upset when eventually like uh the call of duty warzone can't keep up with the demands because they fired a bunch of people and it's like what the fuck like why why are you this why for anyone that doesn't know call of duty warzone is the free-to-play battle royale installment of call of duty that is evergreen mm. and runs all the time and runs off microtransactions and like chowder said it is incredibly profitable like only a year old billions of dollars prof- profitable yeah and you and it's just like you make so much money and we know, we all know for fact, like there have been reports and what have you of Activision just paying zero in taxes. It's just like, why do you even need to bother with these firings? Well, it, well, we I know why. We know why because you know you got to report to your shareholders. Hey, we're we're experiencing growth, and it's like sometimes you plateau because you've made all the money. There's yeah. nowhere <laughs> else to go, but. I guess we gotta grow somehow. Uh, yeah, you're milking you're milking your employees' bloods from stones. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so like, yeah, uh, the the people at uh, the Call of Duty Warzone devs have staged a walkout over mm-hmm. these layoffs. Uh, let's see, as of December, yeah, uh, seven, uh, bu- bu- bu. yeah. I mean the. Uh, they've staged a walkout, uh, out hoping that like maybe it'll get Activision to listen. Who, who knows? Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's more infuriating news. Let's talk about even more infuriating news. Yeah, dude, Activision is just like really shit in the bed over the past few years, haven't they? 
Yeah, I mean, they've been shitting the bed for like decades at this point. Well, fair, but I mean, like you know, big stories in terms of Activision sucking for one reason or another. I feel like have been on our on our yeah. radar for the past like twenty four yeah, months. No, Activision's least. having a bad year. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's it's kind of they and Kellogg's are doing the same thing. We're taking their branding off their products so that people don't associate their products with them. Yeah, fuck yeah. Kellogg's. Exactly. Yeah, fuck Kellogg's. Uh, so more infuriating news. Let's talk about NFTs. And like, I'm taking several oh, stuff up and just uh, grouping it together because, uh, you the know, what a, the worst. Anyways, uh, let's start off with uh, Stan Lee. Uh, uh, we, had a, so mad. We, we had a <laughs> tweet from like Stan Lee's account where it's like, from championing diversity to embracing new tech, Stan was one step ahead of the curve. To honor its innovative spirit, Stan's first superhero, Chakra the Invincible, debuts in his own NFT. And it's like, you are taking the corpse of Stan Lee and just parading it around in order to sell, like, this imaginary <laughs> imaginary monopoly money bullshit yes yeah and it's like what what the fuck what new low can you reach i'll tell you what new low low you can reach how about taking uh making nfts out of uh george uh, floyd man, george floyd yes yeah. <laughs> and it's like what the fuck and you know like uh. these pictures are such garbage quality it's like um shit effort pixel art that like i could do in five minutes and it's this, like George the, Floyd and various like, yeah. I'll wait to I'll, I'll wait till you finish listing your things because I know you have at least one or two other things on here. But I've I have, oh man, I have thoughts. I mean, the George yeah. Floyd thing is particularly sickening because we're talking about a man who was executed by the cops for no good reason, and yeah. now you're just propping him up to sell money in your pyramid scheme, and it's just sickening. Uh. And then I guess I would like to cap that off with a letter from Square Enix's president, uh, where he's talking about how Square Enix is going to embrace NFT. And it's like, God, that is infuriating because one, you are doing so well with Final Fantasy 14 and you're going to fuck it up with NFTs. And like, like Final Fantasy 14 is super successful, so successful that they have to like, uh, have like these long waiting queues for people to, who play their MMO and you want to know why there's such a long queue. It's because they can't buy more servers because NFTs and cryptocurrency are like <laughs> taking up all the goddamn, yep. oh my um, God. like yeah. processors <laughs> and uh, graphics I, cards. So, I like, could not, miserable. I could not get more than halfway through the article from the, from the Square Enix president because, um, it was all fucking, you know, just corpo talk about, uh, look at me sounding so cool saying words like corpo talk. It was just, it was just <laughs> like broad speech about like, this is an exciting opportunity that allows us to monetize things and provide new experience that players crave, blah, 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 blah. Very Brando from Idiocracy. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, the idea of NFTs is, um, uh, so actually, okay. Paul Tassi is a freelance journalist who does a lot of con con uh, contributing articles to Forbes, uh, very popular in the Destiny community, but he published an article called Why Gaming NFTs Are Not Oblivion Horse Armor 2.0. Uh, and I think it is. It does a very good breakdown of everything in this in this letter that Chowder's referencing, and just saying like these ideas don't apply to games. Executives are looking at this as a way to monetize digital assets that have not been monetizable to this point, and trying to force it into game development. 
And that's essentially what this letter is saying is we're going to do this and it's going to be great because it's going to make us money. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the, it, like, and mm-hmm. if you read the letter, there's like such contempt for like the anybody fact that, that doesn't make, like NFTs. It, it just seems there's like, such ugh. contempt for like just single player games and contempt yep. for just the fact that they're making games and the contempt yeah. for the idea of just for the contempt for the very idea of just doing leisurely activities instead of spending every waking moment of your life grinding and working and trying to make a profit yeah yeah it introduces the idea that uh not introduced but it talks about the idea that like people want to play games to like earn financial assets in the game like earn a unique item in the game that is theirs like they will earn an nft through playing and it's like again in this article by paul tassi he does a great job of comparing that to like a very stressful low-paying job with psychological effects that are not being considered here this entire letter has no regard for what it is players are actually asking for the environmental and financial impacts of processing nfts to begin with or the irreconcilability of a concept of an nft with a a very like tightly like a very tight complicated world of game design it is the most bloated and ignorant thing i've read in ages and i i literally stopped halfway through the second page just because i was like this is this is nonsense they're gonna get laughed out of court but so upsetting. who fucking yeah. knows <laughs> like god ima- imagine being the president of a company that has made a super successful mmo that is perhaps even surpassing World of Warcraft at this point and being like, yeah, we're going to shit all over it. Fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like nobody's saying that NFTs can't possibly provide new experiences, but people aren't talking about that. People are latching on to, you know, whatever buzzwords are in the dialogue right now, the public discourse of NFTs and saying, well, how do we make money off of this? It's not... It's not designers sitting down saying, like, what new experiences can we actually make? I mean, the thing about NFTs is it's just bad. It's just like a virtual receipt that doesn't really mean anything. And the effect is the destruction of our fucking planet over a JPEG. Yeah. And it's like... I just want a picture of a goddamn hot dog. And it's just like... Yeah, it's just like fucking, oh, great. Now you have something official that says you own this specific JPEG and this is yours. And like the fucking capitalist brains wanting to like own things that they can resell later is more important than the fact that you literally don't have anything. (laughs) No, it feels very much like uh, like motion controls uh, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago in video games where the Nintendo Wii came out and legitimately revolutionized gaming. And, you know, everybody else tried to pile on with motion controls and it fell flat because the Nintendo Wii is like a carefully considered holistic product that takes a new idea and executes on it on an interesting way to provide legitimately new experiences. And then when Microsoft comes out with the Kinect, there's a reason that the Kinect sensor is used more in fucking engineering and medicine than it is in video games because it was saying, (laughs) ooh, moving your body. How do we do that? They came up with cool technology. NFTs are a novel thing, whether they're good or bad. I tend to lean toward where chowder's leaning but like yeah, this is not that careful and con- careful and considered approach this is yeah. not the nintendo wii this is the microsoft connect there might be something that comes out of it cool but guess what nobody's buying connect anymore connect almost killed the xbox yep okay yeah. so i would like to move on to something that makes me a little bit happy 
Thank you. <laughs> yes. You made okay. me. You made me angry, Chowder. God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. So. That's uh, not your fault. It's my fault. There was recently a a, uh, a Nintendo Direct for showcasing their in indie the indie games coming to the Switch. Nindies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nindie Direct. Anyways. Nindies. Uh, Cute. And like, there are some really cool things that they announced. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is Sea of Stars. It's like be it's like this RPG being made by the people who created the Messenger. I haven't played that, but like I I know of the game, uh, and it looks freaking gorgeous. It takes inspiration from games like Chrono Trigger, and Chrono Trigger is one of the best JRPGs. It's so fucking good, and like this game, it looks gorgeous. There's like a gorgeous pixel art or that's like isometric and like really uh, like pretty looking. A lot of wonderful colors, a lot of like smooth animation. I am a goddamn slut for her good pixel art. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it's true, man. Like, show me, show me some goddamn pixel art, and I'm like, oh yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's oh baby, that's the sound I wanted to hear in this recording. Oh, oh, yeah. I, want, I want a fucking T-shirt that says, "I am a goddamn slut for pixel slut art." For good pixel art. <laughs> But, but, but yeah, Careful, like, the NFT bros are going to hear that and they're going to try to sell it to you. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, like this game, uh, the story of this game is, uh, it sounds like a very RPG esque story about like a, a, a part, like about like two people, one from a, one from like a tribe of like tribe of the moon and one from the tribe of the sun, uh, working together in order to like, like, uh, uh, avert a big disaster which is really good and like gives them a good excuse to go through uh various like places and meet various characters and like that is always the appeal of rpgs exploring a world and like seeing all these people and seeing all these places and like ex- and like just getting to just immerse yourself in a beautiful place which is what yep. this is and this looks rad and uh right now it is going to come out it is slated to come out holiday 2022 so you know not not for a while but still looking pretty dope next thing is uh alicia the oblivion of the twin goddesses it's like a a puzzle adventure game again another gorgeous game with like great music it's got an emphasis on like uh puzzle solving or co-op puzzle solving like if you think of the game like it takes two it's kind of like that Mm. so like it's very interesting and that like has my interest as well uh that is coming out there was something about that this month too wasn't there like them fucking trying to trademark the phrase it takes two or something like that yeah yeah Yeah, that was yeah anyway we're onto the happy times now, so well, we can yeah, leave that back uh, in the sad corpo time. Okay, so <laughs> so there was a game I liked that came out a while ago called River City Girls, which is like this arcade beat 'em up, and it's a really fun one. It's got like a lot of again a lot of incredible pixel art, which you've heard my thoughts on that. Uh, it's got this. Uh, yeah, very- I'm still cleaning up after your thoughts on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, oh, got bro. this uh, really cool like comic comic style or comic art style to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, and a sequel has been announced and it's just more of what made the first river city girls good. You know, like you, 
you have more characters to play as so not just the main two characters but like four other characters you can play as it has the co-op it has like the really crunchy combat system that like just feels good no matter what skill level you're at Mm -hmm. it's got the gorgeous pixel art the the really cool music uh that like you can just beat people up to it's great it's good stuff i'm i'm really happy this game's got a sequel and the last thing i wanted to talk about is the uh switch version of amori uh amori is this indie rpg horror game uh and like you know i talked about this with you guys a while ago but like uh i played that game and uh, on my pc and god mm-hmm. that is a, an emotionally devastating game like by the time <laughs> i got to the end of that like i i i like uh, am like a emotional wreck like uh like that game it deals with some really hard hard themes some really dark themes it's really scary really sad uh really heartwarming and it's like by the end you are like emotionally wrung out it is an incredible game so you're Uh, talking about the switch port because you want your heart broken on the go i want my heart broken (laughs) on the go yeah i want to be on the train sobbing my heart out and everyone just being uncomfortable and like trying to scooch away from me (laughs) yes that tracks all right yeah i'm here for it (laughs) and uh that that is what i have to say Thank you Very for cool. your time. Thank you for ending on a happier note uh, than than I did and than we saw at the beginning of your section. Not because we should only be reporting happy news, but because, you know, we got to survive too, folks. Jeff, yeah, really. what are you talking about? Yeah, it was a pretty light month for me. I don't have a lot to talk about. Uh, right off the bat, we did get a, a teaser trailer for the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, and that looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. We don't have like a lot yet, but you know, the first one we, was we just were an also, absolutely we also found phenomenal out, movie. So, uh, we also found out it's a part one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was true. The... So Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse is going to be a two-part movie, a la... The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, which is, you know, normally that kind of thing would give me a, a bit of pause because it's like... But maybe it'll be like Dune. Planning that on the onset is always feels a little rough, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to give this one a bit more faith cause just because the first Into the Spider-Verse was just like it was. an absolutely incredible movie in every regard. So, well, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but the first Matrix was also a pretty incredible movie in every regard. Fair. But, yeah. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Man, I didn't mean to go into this tanking my expectations for the but, film, but I mean, if, Matrix if, 4 is pretty fun. At least fun. it'll look pretty, if nothing else, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. perhaps good to keep your expectations reasonable, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, they showed a little bit of like an early scene where like, miles meets gwen again and it's like it's it's cute because like he meets yeah. her a gwen a yeah what he meets a her a gwen a gwen god damn it <laughs> that's <laughs> good <laughs> i like that okay uh we meet a gwen <laughs> yeah i don't know My, miles and miles and like uh gwen they're they're adorable i like them and like yeah. then we get to see like a cool like sequence of like miles and like uh spider-man what was a year he's from i don't think it's oh, 2022 well, P- peter b parker 
no, no, no. He the... means he means fucking uh, future Spider Man. Yeah, future. I, voice I have already forgotten. I have forgotten the teaser already. My bad. He's not in the first one. Oh, he's like yeah. the one at the end. Future mm-hmm. boy Spider Man. Oh, is what I'm was that the your, the your Mitakone voiced Spider Man? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What is his name? The po- the post credits guy. The post credits Spider Man. The post guy. Yes. He was voiced He's by your Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Twenty ninety nine. There we go. I, I was like Spider Man no, twenty seventy seven. I like. I kept thinking twenty twenty two, and no, it's not Spider Man twenty twenty two. Well, it's- listen. It we just got Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Battlefield twenty forty two. There's just so many, so many twenty something games out there we're bound yeah. to be confused anyways so yeah we had a cool little sequence where like uh miles met like spider-man 2099 and that was pretty rad so yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for some fucking miguel o'hara stuff i think that'll be a lot of fun yes absolutely um but right. yeah so that was that was one thing uh not really any new transformers news this month um we did get a production update again for uh Haslab victory saber but it was just again, you know, just like shots of of molds and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, related to that, I do have some interesting toy news to talk about. Um, again, it's another Haslab project, not uh, not Transformers related. Yeah. Um, but is the the uh, Haslab Star Wars Black Series Rancor, which uh, the the production started in October or not production the. Uh, the like back it was announced in October and then the uh the backing ended in the uh beginning of December and it did not make it and uh, I think it's, it's because it's black isn't it no <laughs> shut up <laughs> the I mean it's because the black I'm black, series a Star Wars story the black yeah, series is have. just what the the Star Wars toys are called like all the you know uh Hasbro action figure Star Wars action figures so this was just going to be in scale with uh with those um just to get into some of the details on on this project so the rancor obviously the big old monster from from jabba's pit uh is going to be uh 17 and a half inches tall uh which is ain't nobody want to think about jabba's pit oh my god (laughs) shut up (laughs) um it was going to cost uh 350 dollars was the backing for it uh and this is the the real rough part about it for me, which is uh, its backer goal was nine thousand backers, and on on the end, you know, December sixth, the last day, it got up to eight thousand five hundred and thirty three. So Wait, it was they only extended like... it for they extended it for Unicron. Yeah, I almost said Omicron. That's, that's the kind of thing I wanted to compare it to. So this is so far, at, at least to my knowledge, this is the second Haslab pro- backer project that has failed. Um, mm-hmm. The first one being a uh, like basically one to one scale Cookie Monster replica, that that was a while ago <laughs> that failed. Um, what? But it's just interesting to me because like because when we were talking about Haslab Unicron, which was the big Transformers backer project that we talked about on this podcast for like a year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. It it failed. It did not reach its backer goal of 8,000 backers, which is even less than this. And then they extended it. And it's just interesting to me that, that like, I, you know, Hasbro clearly, like, you know, they, they do make slightly more profit from their uh, original brands like Transformers and stuff like that versus their licensed brands like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why they'd be more invested in it. 
Um, there's probably an element to which they had already done like a lot of the tooling for the prototype. Like it's more of an investment going in just because transformers have so many moving parts than this yeah. Rancor figure. And it, it's a shame that like, you know, I, I wouldn't have bought it cause I don't collect star Wars stuff and it's $350, but it looks really nice. <laughs> like in the, uh, in the, yeah. The promo stuff. I wonder, but... I, I would hate to be on the team of people. Like, I know that that's the job is to design yeah. things that might not ever get made. But yep. I wonder if it's like what, how different it feels to like design something and then have everyone see it and then have it canceled on you. Like, yeah. that must be a special kind of frustration to be like, oh man, this is really cool. And if they had given us like another two weeks, like they did the other toy, yeah, maybe my work could have gotten out there. I don't know. I just imagine that that's a frustrating thing. On and both ends. you know, I, I part of me thinks that like like with with Unicron, for example, right? There was also this issue that they announced it like a week after like a really big like toy convention. So a lot of hardcore fans mm-hmm. had just like spent a lot of money like going to this convention and booking hotels, and then it's suddenly yeah. like, oh, boom! Actually, in a month, you want to pay another six hundred dollars that you have to pay for a product that you won't see in two years. So I'm thinking like yeah. part of it might have been like, oh, them thinking like, oh, we kind of fucked up the timing of that, so maybe we'll extend it a little yeah. bit. Whereas you know they've kind of hit their stride a little bit more now, and they're starting to actually commit to their their backer things. I don't know. It's mm. just interesting. But it's also interesting is like with Unicron, I think it limited you to two per customer, maybe even one. I think it was two per customer. The Rancor is limited to five per customer. So oh. even with that, you know, it's like probably a lot of people ordered it just for, you know, like for resale value and stuff like that, like ordered extras because, yeah. you know some of these things end up paying for they're themselves trying to divert you're... scalpers away from electronics and into toys mm. oh. <laughs> scalpers have been in toys for a long time <laughs> trust me yeah yeah maybe it's because like you know the toy is like of a rancor like a fairly minor thing compared to like unicron who's like a big transformers villain i don't know that's true i mean i feel like at this point that, like but... anything that has a significant amount of screen time in the original trilogy of Star Wars is pretty much considered like a major character or, for them and collectors, I would or, think, you know. I would true. even argue even characters with a negligible amount of screen time. Yeah, are like Max Rebo. As evidence as like, evidenced by the Boba book Fett. of Boba yeah. Fett. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah, I mean the Rancor was like the I mean, really I think it's probably just like the demographic of the people that that, you know, buy Star Wars stuff like I'm, it's just not big enough to get enough people that are willing to shill out three hundred and fifty dollars for it. Is my what my major guess would be. The more interesting yeah. side of it to me is the fact that like Hasbro had kind of committed to doing Unicron regardless of whether it really passed or not, unless it was like really not even close. Yeah, and Unicron this one was got too big to fail. so close, and they didn't just like fudge the numbers a little bit, or maybe this is the result of them fudging the numbers, and it was just really nowhere near. Either way, Ooh. it's just it's kind of interesting. I don't Peeling know. Peeling back the layers to the Haslab conspiracy. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, there's there's not really a lot to that. It's not going to matter to. They're putting toxins into was... water to make the Transformers gay. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a it was kind of an interesting one since you know we I've seen a lot of like you know they've been doing more and more Haslab projects since then and a lot of them get backed like the big giant galactus uh marvel figure that's like even taller than unicron there was mm-hmm. uh 
what are some other good ones though they just a gi joe one of all things just fucking got backed and fucking who goddamn collects gi joe anymore but anyway i just thought that was interesting because it it does look like a really cool product but i guess it's just something that people really couldn't afford yeah Maybe, maybe it's because like transformers and gi joe and stuff are owned by hasbro and thus yeah that's right that's yeah, well, yeah, that's, and like yeah, the star wars they have cost. to like yep make a make a deal with disney and that's like maybe that's why they don't really care for it yeah i mean you know it's it's definitely like like yeah that's what i was saying earlier with like you know they they get more profit from their uh from their original brands versus the licensed products but, yeah. you know, with, like, Disney, it's not like they have to go and negotiate some new deal with Disney. Like, Hasbro yeah, has the licensing rights to Star Wars. They just, you know, just part of that profit has to go to Disney. You know, it's not like a new thing that would have to be negotiated. Yep. But it it definitely is less of a financial incentive for them. Um, but, yeah, because, like, when I, when I think maybe a month or two ago, I talked about how they, like, put out, like, their quarterly earnings and it was like showing like a a um an increase in profits in their original brands and like a slight decrease in profits from their licensed brands. I don't know. It's uh, it's all interesting. I don't know enough about it, but it, anyway, that's that's pretty much all there is to that. And that's all I got. Cool. Sounds good. Let's uh let's take it into the editor's room. Let's do some ratings. <laughs> We're going to sit around here, around the table, have a little powwow. We're each going to nominate a story that we brought today as uh, our top story for the month. Uh, something that we think that if you're going to walk away paying attention to only a single thing that we've said in this hour plus of talking, what should it be? What's the information you should carry forward and keep talking about? I mean, and, okay, uh, let's let's go with one. nominations. Chatter, you seem to have uh, okay. have some thoughts. What's I mean, your nomination? I mean, I would... So I'm sure I'm sure we're probably gonna come to a different conclusion about what's the most important collectively. But like personally, I would like to nominate Amori because that game is incredible. <laughs> I need you guys to play that. I need I need someone to experience what I experienced so I How can. How much like, does it cost? It. I mean, it's not that on, much on, on the Switch. On well, it's not out on the Switch yet. It's gonna going to be out on the Switch in the. Yeah, at the end of 2022 or something like that. Oh, at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, then I P- fucking hope. This I mean, Steam it's, comes it's to also exist, on. It's also on PC. So. Uh, yeah, I have a I have a Mac, and I uh, don't. Wait, no. I'm pretty sure it is compatible with Mac. Let me double check oh, real quick. Is it a Steam? It's on Steam. It's on Steam. Yep. Yeah. Uh, tell you what, I won't join you in that for the for for nomination, but I will check out the game itself. I promise, I will do that. Yeah. Um, mm. I, yeah. I will certainly okay, do that. Okay, so I don't think it's for Mac. I think it's yeah. Just most PC. most indies most indie games are not. Yeah, okay, and I'll, like uh, this I'll game, this game went year. through them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair, that's fair enough. When it when you get the chance, please play Amori. It is a game that I think anyone who can. Uh, handle the intense themes because like and, uh, there, there's a trigger warning at the beginning and that trigger warning is no joke but yeah anyone who can handle it i i, I think i would highly recommend it it's a great experience and was your um, wait sorry was your story around that a sequel or just that it's coming to the switch next year it's it's coming to the switch okay so there's and, no there's no sequel for it that's just uh yeah yeah okay okay so chatter nominates amore uh let's see i think i really want to nominate I know that it's technically beginning of January, but 
I really. <laughs> oh I wait, really no, spring nominate... spring 2022. So you know, sooner oh, okay. than much yeah. sooner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would really like to nominate uh, the story that Chowder brought about the Square Enix CEO letter about the NFTs. Yeah. I think there needs to be a swift and powerful condemnation of this kind of conversation around yeah. NFTs because like. And again, I'm going to point to that Paul Tassi article just because I think it is a very salient comparison to compare this to the Oblivion horse armor, for those that don't know. Oblivion, the 2006 Elder Scrolls IV by Bethesda, was one of the first games to include microtransactions for cosmetic items. And if you thought people uh, were angry about microtransactions now, (laughs) you should have seen how angry they were the first time. It was rugged. Uh, And I think that... it is easy to compare the idea of NFTs in video games as like the new microtransactions, except for the fact that microtransactions like make sense on paper. It's sell smaller things. Yeah. NFTs in video games as a concept doesn't make sense. I'm saying the sentence NFTs in video games. What does that functionally mean? Yeah. There is so much more to the conversation than just creating a non-fungible token to restrict ownership of an asset. It goes so far beyond that on so many design levels, on marketing levels, the scope of the thing. It is so much bigger than that. And this letter is like part of, you know, a strategy that we're going to see in a ton of companies who embrace this technology because it is profitable profitable for them. And we've already discussed the reasons it's a bad idea for consumers, for the environment, uh, just across the board. It is yeah, such like, a shallow, stupid promise that does not even scratch the surface of what this technology could mean and instead focuses on what it could earn. Spoiler alert, yeah. it's not gonna do great because none of us want it. I'm telling you, I'm a gamer. <laughs> a lot of us are gamers. Nobody cares. I wish that were true. I mean, like, like a lot the of people I don't that know. Care I... Are the people that invest in NFTs? People, yeah. don't, gamers don't care about this as a thing to enhance their experience. No, the people I'm just that saying are that interested in be... NFTs and the blockchain and investing in this yeah. care. But I, I will say that probably, like, there's probably a pretty good. I mean, I don't know if crossover is the right word, but I would imagine most people that like, you know are like dude bros that want to invest in, invest in NFTs and shit like that, like probably also dip their toe in, in you know, in a lot of video games too. Like it's sure. not a, it's like a square rectangle not... kind of thing. You know, it's like not every gamer is an NFT bro, but probably an, every NFT bro is a gamer, right? But like... those, you, Probably, but those NFT bros aren't sitting there saying, hey, I want restricted access to certain things yeah. in my MMO. That's not what they're saying. No. What they're saying is, how do we use this to make money in games? It's it is two yeah. completely different conversations, and people are trying to link them because it sounds like it's going to make money. But yeah. I have yet to see a salient argument for how you can actually monetize this in games in a way that will appeal to gamers. And you know, yep, I, I think that's it. It doesn't appeal to to gamers as a consumer item. Strip whether or not you are an NFT bro on the side. Do you want to have to like play your game to earn money when gaming is your fucking hobby? Yeah. It's just, that's, it's, 
I cannot. You can spend all the money that you earn from the NFTs on the gaming on the microtransactions. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to create a fucking. (laughs) They're trying to close the loop even further than microtransactions, but it's it's not even an apt analogy. So ugh, that's fucking microtransactions might be scummy sometimes, but at least they're not like literally eroding the planet with how much server space they take. Yes, exactly. Okay, so um, real real quick, what is Mori? Mori is on the Mac, so you know. Okay. Do it on Switch in spring or get it on I Mac. I can probably check yeah. it out on my Mac later this month. Uh, nice. So, Jeff, uh, I, I'm sorry I took so long. No, you're good. Again, I, but what's your nomination? Yeah, I'm willing to second your NFT thing. I, I think going into this, my original uh, inclination was like, uh, you know, something that I'm, you know, excited about seeing is I was actually mm-hmm. kind of looking forward to the uh, the Halo show. But yeah. I don't think we have really enough concrete stuff on that for me yet to be like yeah, it's a one minute super teaser. excited about it. So I'm sure we'll get more down the road. Yeah, so yeah, I think that the you know the NFT thing is probably the most relevant. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, putting aside my own personal bias, yeah, I put my vote to the NFT. Cool. Yeah. So if you haven't already, read this letter from the president of Square Enix and read all the fucking responses to it. Read that Paul Tassi article. It is just, <laughs> it is it is miserable. It, the, the letter sounds like an address to shareholders yeah. that got passed around to gamers. And I don't know yep. if you know this, gamers are an angry, fickle, cynical bunch. And uh, we don't enjoy that. <laughs> So yeah, I, it's just it, the, the the reaction has been universally pretty cold, uh, and I would like Thank to see God. that continue. Because I would really, so that, frankly, I would like to see more universally cold reactions towards NFTs in general. It's something that's yeah. just like when it first started coming out, I was thinking like, wow, this is real bad. And then like hearing more about the environmental aspect, I'm like, this is real bad. And then just like looking around at the public yep. reaction, I'm like. Y'all aren't as mad about this as I thought we should all be. (laughs) (laughs) That's because some people want to make money off of it. And, like, the economic side of things is, like, interest. And that's part of why I have a hard time condemning it, because I do not fully understand the finances and technology at play. But also, like, having just watched the movie. I I know that it's been thrown around, but it really is. It really is a case of the only ones making money are the ones that got in there first and then get out early. I just like, but even even the promise of what the idea of blockchain-based distribution and decentralization of information could mean, like, this feels like the movie Don't Look Up, where it's just like, oh, there's a natural disaster, but it could create some good jobs. And I'm like, why? Why are we yeah. focused on just the money side of this? Wait yeah. a minute, I just answered my own question. Yeah. And it's infuriating but that about wraps that movie is infuriating to watch not because it's bad it's very good it's just like yeah you watch i i i hope we can have a real conversation about don't look up sometimes too that came out this past month an adam mckay movie on netflix um haven't watched it yet yeah we'll we'll figure that out but i'm gonna wrap up this conversation uh thank you so much uh, the two of you for joining me in this roller coaster of emotions uh did perk up my mood all things considered despite hearing the trash news about ken levine and nfts um (laughs) And of course, there's always uh, stuff to look at that we did not cover uh, over the past month, but these are just the things that we found interesting. We'll be back in two weeks with a regular old book club episode talking about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and all the alternate titles you could possibly conceive of for that film. Uh, It was a very fun conversation, and I think you'll enjoy listening to it because it's not just us gushing. I think I had some really fun. It recaptured the feeling of sitting in a room with you guys and just saying, like, why did this work? Why didn't this work? And really getting yep. into it. 
big fun. Really, and for once we uh, we fucking got off our ass and actually recorded it properly in advance. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a fun conversation that'll be coming your way in about two weeks. And at the beginning of February, we will be back with a recap of the news for January, where our top story will be Internet kicks Square Enix CEO in the teeth. I have I been calling fucking Ketchin. hope. Uh, you can find me online. I recently did a an edit for a podcast called The Greatest Discovery, uh, where they review Star Trek Discovery, which, again, news we didn't cover. Season four is pretty good. And I got to uh, do an edit of one of the most popular podcasts for Star Trek. And it was really, really fun and exciting. So you can go check out. Uh, it's called Zora Could Be Tubiting. Just like this podcast, the titles are inscrutable and big turnoffs. But that's what I picked. So here we are. <laughs> Who else am I with? Where can we find you? Hi, I'm Timel or Chowder, whichever you prefer. You can find me on Twitter at Time Will Chatter. Uh, I'm also a part of our sister podcast, uh, Dice Populi. I'm currently DMing the current story arc and also agonizing over whether I'm good enough to get something good out of that story arc or <laughs> if uh, that'll... You've all... gotten some good-ass shit out of this story. Uh, <laughs> what we need is players that know how to follow the breadcrumbs left by the dungeon master. It's fine. All right. Oh, yeah, Jeff? dish that goss. You hear that, Ryan, <laughs> Pat, Matt, Colin just said you ain't worth shit. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, I can't. Episodes aren't out yet. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> and I've been uh, Jeff Levitt. Uh, if you want to find me, I mean, I don't do a whole lot anymore. I, uh, I've i got a YouTube channel where I do toy reviews. So if that's something that sounds vaguely interested to you, interesting to you, that is uh, Alchemist Prime Reviews on YouTube. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got going on right now. Yeah. So those of you that are still with us, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoy these podcasts, share them with your friends. Say like, hey, here's a fun talk where these guys yelled about NFTs. And <laughs> then when you say that, when you say that, you'll know who your true friends really are because some people will be like, I want to listen to that. And other people will be like, well, actually, can I explain the blockchain to you? And those are the friends you don't need to keep around anymore. <laughs> yep. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, and we hope to see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Der. Since Chatter went before me this time, I figured it was my responsibility to say ciao. <laughs> This episode of the Common Geeking Program is hosted by me, Colin Ketchin, joined by Jeff Levitt and Time Will Chowdery. This episode is sponsored by an absurd amount of chocolate inside my stomach right now. The podcast is created by myself and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by me and original music also by me. As we just stated, we'll be back in two weeks with an episode about Spider-Man, and uh, boy howdy, was that a fun time. And uh, after that, two more weeks before a briefing program. If you ever want to see more, check out commongeekingprogram.com. And thank you for listening to this. ready to go take your times getting situated uh, and then we can clap yep just want to pull up one more article mm -hmm. i'm just yeah i'm trying to get okay um 
Like I'm typing in Square Enix NFT and I'm hoping. Oh it yeah, ends. fuck. Oh, I, okay, that's the story you're talking about. All right. Uh-huh. And I'm hoping the search engine understands that I want an article about it, not actual <sighs> NFTs. Well, yeah. I mean, you can just uh, Google the Squ- is the Square Enix president put out a letter. You can just pull that up. I'm sure pretty easily if you keyword president and letter because it's like a three page thing. Hold on, I gotta grab yeah. some eye drops. No, I'm not trying to look up. It's not. Yep, there it is. No, you fucker, that's not... Whatever. All right, um, I'm ready. Whatever, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's go ahead and uh, clap at 6.10, which is uh, a little over 10 seconds away. 10 seconds! What? It's not even close to 5 seconds. No, five that seconds. was 5 seconds. I said 10 seconds the first time. He did. Oh. He just said it with the energy of a five seconds. Yeah. Sometimes it sounded like five seconds them. to me. Yeah. That's we're just so, what you wanted to hear. Yeah, we're conditioned for that. 